Well, hello, friends. It is Between Two Sundays time. We are Between Two Sundays. And as always, I am Between Two Sundays with Mark Beresford. And I'm Between Two Sundays with Mark Gladman. <laughs> <laughs> How's and that I, for a new start? That was very nice. And I can't imagine anyone I'd rather be Between Two Sundays with. There you go. That was nice. It is, it is just perfect, isn't it? There you go. There you go. <laughs> Between Two Sundays, of course, where we discuss the readings from the Sunday just gone and we talk about how we're going to chew on the readings for the Sunday to come. And of course, last Sunday, um, a mammoth conversation on the show about Pentecost. Yeah. And uh, we had mm. a lot to say what stuck and moved with you into the, the week this week, mate. Yeah. Um, so what really stuck with me was the claim in Joel that um, Peter quotes in a bad acts reading that um, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. Mm. Um, and again, how, how um, the call to humility to actually go through the world looking for that, um, perhaps even beyond just the people we meet. Um, but in every aspect of, of this world, what does it look like for us to learn to see the spirit of God yeah. um, everywhere? Um, and I, I think I felt quite humbled by that. I think there were conversations where I, this week, where I realised the spirit of God was doing much more than I had ever guessed. Um, probably to the point that I, I, I doubted that it was actually happening, that, that, that yeah. the Spirit of God was actually saying as much to someone yeah. else as, um, as I realised. And I was, I was deeply humbled by that. I felt like as a pastor, I was more of an observer of what the Spirit of God was doing rather than any instigator, any kind of instigator of it. And so I was just, I, I've spent, um, you know, the last week, <laughs> wondering what it looks like to see, to, to, to do ministry, seeing, uh, you know, in the belief that the Spirit of God is at work all around us all the time. And I, I don't feel very bad about entering that, that struggle, so to speak, because I think that, as we've said before, it really is the struggle of Acts. Uh, mm. it, this is the struggle of the apostles to keep up with the Holy Spirit and really always behind the eight ball, just discovering um, what God is doing. And I'm, I'm wondering what ministry looks like when you take that kind of stance. Um, it, it, really, it, it, it really would look quite different, I think, if we were constantly asking what is God doing here rather than presume, presuming that we knew. Yeah, that's interesting because when I uh, took up my post at Emmanuel College in 2011, and I was there until mid-2014, yeah. uh, it was in a role called the Director of Spiritual Life, and uh, it was a role that they created for the executive. And my charge by the headmaster when I came was literally, your job at the end of the day is to ask, where is God in this? about everything in the school. That's your, that's your job in a nutshell. So you that's need to I'm clone and bottle that principle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, he's retired now, um, but uh, still doing some writing and speaking around the place. But wow. um, uh, Graham Leo is his name, but he said, yes, that's, that's the, your job. Uh, your job is to ask the question, where is God in this? When we have discussions mm. around the exec table, where is God in that? Yeah. When we have discussions at uh, school council level, where is God in that? When we're doing things in the school and curriculum's coming in, we're having events, where is God in this? That is your job. Um, and it was a very interesting way to consider ministry within the life of a school as its chaplain when that's yeah. pretty much your charge. Um, and, some, and sometimes you had to be the bearer of bad tidings and say, I don't think God's in this. <laughs> what are we going to do about yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. to give space or room for God in this. Um, mm. Or maybe God's not in it because it's not meant for us. Mm. Interesting question. 
a very very um humbling task to take on i i would imagine you know you don't want to you don't want to miss that no you don't misread it no but, but the very fact that you're open the very fact that you're asking the question is just magnificent the trick is having everybody come with you when you sort of realize what the answer is and you share it yeah <laughs> that's the yeah, tricky of course part. um of course. yeah yeah uh, the, the thing but is there is sorry, something there is something sorry mark there's something in this passage that I, i'm left wondering if if the church is 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 in this space of declaring uh, you know like the like peter in this in this passage de declaring that the fulfillment of this prophecy of joel over the earth so to speak and um and, and really always just realizing more and more how true it is yeah i almost think that's the best we can do is, is just keep growing in this keep um keep asking where the spirit of god is um we just don't have the capacity i don't think to to see the fullness of this reality you know in our own time or in our own space or culture or however we do it um, we're just always running after the spirit of god we hope we are maybe this is part of the problem with what's happening <clears throat> with uh this whole you know deconstruction movement yeah. within christianity yeah. um <clears throat> which i fully support uh i have mm. no issue with it whatsoever and, and here's why, based on what you were saying, this is why it's clicked for me. Um, because I think the people who are deconstructing are the ones who are asking, where is the spirit moving? And yeah. it's the established church who's saying, we're here. Yes. Uh, yeah. So and look, yeah. that might come back to bite me in the bottom. Um, but <laughs> at the end of the day, I think that's what's happening, that there's a number of yeah. people out there who are saying, where is God? Where is God in this? Where is God moving yeah. in this? Uh, where is this spirit moving? And um, they're going after it. Mm. They're going after it. And the establishment is saying, um, where are you going? Yeah. Um, and not happy about it. But I, I, anyway. my suspicion is this has always been the case in church history, though, as soon yeah. as soon as as soon as our faith is linked to power, we, we really do get an interest in keeping things the same and indeed keeping things under control. Well, look, particularly how the, the mystics spirit, the spirit were treated. here is radically out of control. Yeah. It's, it's insanely out of control. Um, and I, I, yeah, yeah, I find myself in the privileged space of, um, uh, maybe not officially, but in, in in many spaces nowadays, being playing a chaplaincy role. So I do have an official chaplaincy role at the the Eagles at Gungahlin, the rugby union club. Um, but I, but I also find myself in a, in a a space where I'm talking to people where I don't have power as pastor. Um, and I've got to say. I find myself learning in that space. I find mm. myself seeing that the spirit of God is already at work in these people that, um, you know, they certainly have, have not been to church either for a very long time or ever. Um, yeah. And I find myself in discussion with them, realising that God is already here and, and, and hopefully naming that God in that mm. space mm. so it's not it's not really me ushering something in as as helping helping them speak about a reality that they're already encountering like paul did in act 17 yeah yes yes which we i know he touched on last week as well mm. yeah, yeah yeah act yeah. 17 should come up in every good conversation i think <laughs> we've achieved that um, um Really quickly, I know we want to move on today, but just yeah. on Pentecost for me this week, I've really yeah. hung on to that whole thing of um, speaking in other languages as being uh -huh. beyond yeah. just words yes. and actually thinking about what it means to experience 
God being declared within culture, mm. uh, which even within the context of our, in Australia, it's predominantly English speaking, um, but you also have these subcultures who, while they speak English, essentially speak a very different language to the one we yeah. speak. And it's some people are gifted to speak in those languages. I mean, if you want to get technical, I mean, just as an example, that's kind of off the wall. There are people out there who have learned or are gifted at moving and speaking in the language of TikTok. And so they yeah. are able to speak yeah. in that language to a people who yeah. hear that language. And yeah. I think that's incredibly important that we don't limit what language is to just words and, and cultures and tribals and things like that, that the language is yeah. so much beyond that. Uh, yeah. And the limitations of language too. Yes. Um, mm. Which I think there's something in that as well, that if, if we can speak in someone's language and, and be heard, that's got to be a mm. move of the spirit because we need to speak in the language in a way that it can be understood and heard. And that goes mm. for English as well. I can declare something in English and it can be completely ignored yes. or not heard because it's yes. or because of the way it's presented. Yeah. Um, so I spent a lot it's, of time chewing on that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Mark, I spend a lot of time um, in one-on-one -on -one conversations um, nowadays in my ministry, and I I really enjoy that space. And there's something as you as you talk there that makes me want to say. Um, maybe there's in some ways an individual language for a person, a way of speaking the truth of God that, that only they can hear. Because cultures really are gatherings of, of individuals who see the world from a certain angle. Mm -hmm. But, but it's, never, it's never exactly the same angle. You and I you know, have a lot in common as far as our culture goes. Yet there are differences between us. Uh, perhaps if we went along to a lecture, you would hear some, some things that I wouldn't hear and I would hear. So, so this idea of culture doesn't make us all the same. And um, I suppose I've been thinking a bit about this because I have a number of people I meet with regularly and read the Bible with these people regularly um, who, when I say, would you like to join uh, as a small group um, of, of Christians who are reading the Bible together say, say, actually, I'm really enjoying reading this just the two of us. I'm enjoying this space one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. And there's something in me that's, that's saying, God, are you giving me the privilege of speaking into this life in a way that they're not open to from anyone else? And I do wonder if this is sort of the, the essence of a person of peace. Um, as we go through the world, we meet people who, are, who see something of the spirit of God in, in us, not necessarily in the community or, or the church, but see something in the individual. And, and, and I have something to speak into their lives. Now, that may not be the only thing that's ever spoken into their lives from the Spirit of God. But, but what if there is something really special about um, speaking one, two lives coming together and discussing this gospel? Um, what, what if there are some people in the world who are only open to your voice on this, at least initially, um, and aren't, aren't actually open to others? or aren't ready for that. Yeah. Um, I, I find myself in these spaces where I'm thinking, God, thank you that you've got me in this space and, and I'm the privileged one speaking into this life. I'm the trusted one by them. Um, yeah. So I wonder if this languages idea of, or this culture idea even can, can boil down further and further. Um, Maybe I'm still developing that idea, but um, or playing with it. But I, I think there's what if what if two people are drawn together because one has got something the other needs, 
and and that goes both ways i think that the, the one who you know maybe the one who you know maybe in my case if i'm trying to communicate the gospel maybe there's something i can learn only from that individual in front of me as well yeah. which i think is wonderful because it brings it into a mutual conversation a genuine conversation otherwise it's a telling um but as soon as as soon as we as soon as both us are, are saying or wondering what is god saying in this space not only through me but to me as well yeah um, I, I think there's there's an extraordinary dynamic that can develop there yeah that's good well i'd say that's the end but that's just talking we should probably get started on the show well we should get started on this week so here we go this week uh sunday we're in year c and it's trinity sunday um, we're in the season after Pentecost and we're going to kick off with something nice and light like the Trinity. Why not? So <laughs> the readings for this coming Sunday are uh, Proverbs 8 verses 1 to 4 and 22 to 31. Yep. Psalm 8, Romans 5 verses 1 to 5 and John 16 verses 12 to 15. And you'll find those mm -hmm. listed either in the show notes of the podcast you're listening to, or if you're on YouTube, they're right down there in the notes and you'll be able to find them all. And I mean, straight off the bat, and we were talking about this just before we hit record, um, yep. a very interesting set of readings for Trinity Sunday. Yeah, that's, there remains a lot of emphasis on the spirit um, in all of these, certainly by the time we get to our John reading. Yeah. We've got Father, Son, and Spirit um, interacting together, or, or at least all mentioned in this one passage. Mm. Um, I guess the first thing, Mark, I'd like to say is Trinity Sunday is unique in the Christian calendar in that it's the only um, it's the only Sunday named after a doctrine. Um, mm. This is not, uh, it, Trinity is not a term you will find in your Bibles. No. Um, Trinity is, is um, a, a concept that is derived from reading the scriptures that has become um, very, very unifying across Christendom, I guess you would say. Um, I, I do think it's been debated in funny ways, you know, about you know, I, I think the wonderful, wonderful thing about this and the by far the most exciting thing about the Trinity is that God is revealed as a community. Yes, um, yes. That, and I can support that wholeheartedly. I know there's, um, there, I know there's discussions around the number. Are there other ways God has been revealed? And and certainly, as I'm sure we'll end up discussing, um, this Proverbs reading hints that, that wisdom is another, um, another revelation of God. Um, and although it's, some would align that with the spirit of God. But the wonderful, wonderful thing about the doctrine of the Trinity is the revelation of God as a community. And... Yes. This is the only way you could truly have a revelation of God that is perfect love. Yes. So when, when John in 1 John talks about God is love, um, this could not be revealed to us in a God that is standalone, um, needs nothing, has no conversations, um, it just couldn't be revealed as a standalone God that needs nothing else. Um, but, but, but the Bible doesn't reveal that God. It, it reveals a community of people in perfect relationship, a community yeah. of God's in perfect, of God in a community of God in perfect relationship. It's not God's actually, but community of God. Yeah. Which, which isn't necessarily, as you say, nailed down, uh, to a particular number 
yeah. you know, in, in Genesis one, we have uh, let us make humans in our image. Um, yes. And we see this interaction. I mean, as we talk about, I mean, we can jump into some of the scriptures now, but we talk about uh, in Proverbs, um, the, the, the focus is on wisdom. Uh, and what's really interesting about this that, that hit me as I'm going, this is talking about wisdom as another part of the of who God is. Uh, and it's mm. interesting that the writer of Proverbs has decided to refer to God or uh, to wisdom as her and she. Yes. And I yes. think that's just beautiful. Now in the Greek, we talk about Sophia uh, yes. or, or wisdom. Um, and uh, you know, the idea that wisdom may be a part of who God is and a part of that relationship with God. Again, as you said, some people might say that that's part of what the spirit brings, but at the end of the day, what you have is uh, here, um, not just a concept of this fourth part of the Trinity, if you like, um, again, trying to bust out of this three <laughs> thing, but, uh, but that, that fourth part of the Trinity is feminine, which I think actually makes God incredibly powerful. And there's also that, and I know we've talked about this on the show before, but um, that that piece they found on the front of the Rublev icon of the Trinity, which uh, uh, has some sort of glue or resin that some yeah. icon scholars believe that very unlike an icon would, that a mirror would have been there. And so the person who's looking at the icon would be there at the table with uh what's depicted as god the father god the son god the spirit um yes. which which raises the question um are we invited to be a part of this um this divine dance this perichoresis as yes. um yes uh, the the ancients called it this divine that seems to have this beautiful relationship and community going on within it and that we're part of that and in fact the prayer of jesus in john 17 and um, where Jesus goes in the reading in John 16 today kind of suggests that that is part of the invitation. Will you come and be a part of this dance uh, with God? And uh, what's really freeing about this idea that it's not just about this three oneness, that it's a many oneness, um, is, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm pulled out a, a couple of excerpts I want to share tonight from Richard Raw's book, The Divine Dance. Um, uh, yes. Uh, I should have known it had come up. Fascinating, fascinating book. And I know some yeah, people are going, Richard Raw, I'm turning you off right now. Okay, that's fine. Um, that's cool with me. <laughs> but, but it's interesting. There's a fantastic video you can find on YouTube. Um, uh, uh, there's a group called Lutheran Humor or Lutheran Comedy. And they've made a number of very funny animated videos. And this one has these two twins talking to St. Patrick about the Trinity and getting Patrick to explain the Trinity. Uh, and all the way through, Patrick would say something. One of them goes, no, that's Arianism, or that's this, or that's that. And here's Paul Patrick just trying to explain it. And in the end, he just basically says what, what St. Patrick said about the Trinity, which was pretty much, it just can't be explained in a nutshell. Uh, it just is. Uh, and it's interesting because the, and getting back to where I was going to a quote from, you know, um, in our efforts to explain Trinity, we've tried all sorts of things, shamrocks. We've tried three faces on one person. We've tried water, ice and steam. Uh, one that's not listed here is the apple pie um, thing. Three apples <laughs> in the apple pie, what's what, but they're all still separate apples. Um, yeah. We've tried everything we could to try and resolve what is called the first philosophical problem of the one and the many. Um, so, you know, this idea that there has to be three, I think, is part of the problem. Um, whereas we said if, if God could just be allowed to be who God is in whatever way God chooses to be, um, maybe we could get it. Uh, God is not a being among mm. other beings, but rather a being itself revealed for any mature seeker. The God whom Jesus talks about and includes himself in is presented as unhindered dialogue, 
a totally positive and inclusive flow in one direction at a water wheel of outpouring love that never stops. And when you start to think about God like this moving in and out with and among us, uh, which is that tongue twister in John 17, you kind of start to go, yes. you know, what, what do we do with this? Yes. So it's this beautiful, I think the, the, the concept is a beautiful concept. I think what's been messing with us for so long is A, even having a concept that we need to explain and then B, restricting it in my in my understanding restricting it to this this three thing yeah that's um, that's interesting yeah. i think this is this is our problem with this we're trying to explain it yeah um and i'm i'm far from convinced jesus you know the new testament seems to to me to avoid explaining it there's, um, you know, this is something we almost have, to, we, it's taken us 200 years of reading the New Testament before we've arrived at, you know, this term. Um, it just seems to me the New Testament authors don't go out of their way to address this as fundamental, this, this concept. They don't use this term. Yeah. But um, they do urge us to love God and to love others. And I think this is how we enter into the community of God. This is say, our, that's, that's this the is our invitation part, in. isn't it? Yeah. Yes, this is our invitation in. To this is that, where yeah. that, that um, mirror icon is profound um, yeah. because it is, it is saying, you know, and, and many would hear this blasphemously it is saying you are invited into communion with god yeah you are invited to the table with the three in that um in, in that particular icon um and, and i think i think this urge to love god and love one another is actually moving in exactly the same direction this mm. this Christ who would die to reveal the extent of God's love to us is inviting us to this table. Yes. Um, and and it's, it's here as we love God and love one another that we discover the meaning of the Trinity. And maybe it'll be, be beyond um, explanations without mystery. Oh. Um, but, but it, that that is how we that is certainly um how the church has um has proclaimed the truth of the truth of god the truth of the trinity we have loved one another it's by this love that they will know that the world will know that you are mine um jesus says it's by this love and this is this is precisely why this community thing is precisely why john can say god is love and at the same time be urging us to embrace that love it's not just a love of god to god it's a it's a love of us it's a love of the universe it's not even just a love of the people actually it's a love of everything um and it starts it's revealed in this perfect community. Yeah. And look, let me protect you from the blasphemy for just a moment. Um, because <laughs> I, I, pulled, I pulled out John 17, and it's, it's unmissable. Um, Jesus is speaking and says um, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Then he goes on to say, may they also be in us. Yes. So yes. that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory. I'll skip down a little bit. In them, you and I, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved them. I want them to be given. Uh, where are we? Where are we? I've made them known. Yeah, I and them, you and them, me. This is Trinity language. This is Trinitarian language in the sense of 
not three, but in the sense of this unity, this connection, this relationship of, of what yep. God is uh, in the universe. And we are invited. Yeah. Jesus' prayer to the Father was that we would know the same connection that Jesus and God have, that we would not just know that, but that we would play a part in that. We literally are being called yep. to be a part of this trinity, again, yes. just to use the word, um, yes. of, of, of God. It's you'll you'll, you'll find yourself on you'll find yourself on safer ground, I think, if you say we are being invited into this community. Yes, well, that's true. Uh, you, you know, as soon as you say that, the number doesn't become a, a factor. But that that prayer is an extraordinary prayer, and there okay. is no doubt you cannot be fair to that prayer unless you say. God is forming a community that includes us. Inclusion, yes. Uh, yes. Extraordinary. And the whole language, the whole language of the New Testament, I believe, around the church is, is this community forming language. So we are children of God. We are brothers and sisters of one another. This is all family language. It's, it's inviting us into the closest the closest community using the closest communal language we have as people on earth and that is the language of family and let's get right down to tax. if our journey is about returning to eden to, to put it that way let's remember yep. that yep. eden was uh, a communal god who makes human beings places yes. human beings in a garden and then comes and walks with those human beings day after day after day after day and says, participate with me in the keeping of this creation going. Yeah, yeah. What is that? Yeah. That's community. Yeah. That's being a part of this. Amazing. Community. Yes, yes. Um, that, that, that's what family, we're returning to. That yeah. family language, by the way, is extended beyond what I suggested because there's father, there's son, and there is spirit, which I think is even closer than closer than you know the familial language and is also uh, feminine and is also feminine yes yes yeah. but but you 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 hold that alongside all this language of we are all sons and daughters of god um we are brothers and sisters of one another clearly clearly this is a community that goes from from the father right down to the people. That is what God is doing. That is what the church is. It is a community of people loving God and loving one another. Well, even in our monastic sense, we would say that what we're demonstrating to the world in living together in monastic community is to be an expression of who God is. Yes. So yes. the world, a visible expression of who God is to the world, which yes. literally is people living in community together and working yeah. together to bring about a common good yes. um there and, and you would have to and you would have to say especially in the monastic communities um living in community with god so they're That's not part just, of that community That's not, right, yeah. not just living in community with one another but living in community very deliberate yeah. community with god yeah that's good are we going to hit these readings <laughs> 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 I thought we'd done them. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, we, we, we had a look at Proverbs 8, which I think really talks deeply about the, the, the place of wisdom uh, and, and, and the, the, the part that wisdom played in the creation of all things, in being present there when uh, God established that, when he established the heavens, I was there, drew a circle on the face of the deep, made firm the skies. I mean, this is very much wisdom saying wisdom has been present uh, with yeah. Yeah. and as part of uh, this creation process, which really, I mean, you know, we were digging up words um, beforehand in Hebrew when we pulled up Elohim, which is the word that's used in Genesis 1. Uh, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And that word Elohim is really uh, a plural word. Um, in itself, yes, yes. Um, straight up, mm. you've got Elohim saying, "Let us." Uh, mm. No numbers given, 
So the fact that wisdom is there, I mean, is this wisdom the, the Holy Spirit? Is this wisdom the Christ as opposed to Jesus? Um, uh, you know, I don't think Jesus in Jesus' human form was there at creation. I believe the Christ was there. Yeah. Um, and that's Christ is the same uh, God that infused the life of Jesus um, and became flesh and dwelled among us. So uh, I think that the, the Proverbs reading for me really brings about that essence of uh, participation and participation just beyond what we'd expect. And even looking at that, some of the, the how the participation played out. Um, of course, there's wisdom in the order of the universe. Um, wisdom had to have been present, as love would have had to have been present, um, as any number of other things would have had to have been present. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, right off the bat, the first reading out of the Hebrew Scriptures for Sunday um, sets a scene that it's, it's funny, I crossed out Trinity Sunday on the printout of the readings, and I wrote the incomprehensibleness of God Sunday, um, thinking that that might have been a better um, <laughs> title for it. Very nice. Straight off the bat, <laughs> if you're expecting just readings about what traditionally has been called God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, um, straight up, wisdom is the one that you're focused on. Uh, and all of a sudden, it's like, which where does this fit? Well, maybe it's because this community is is without number. Mm. By the way, as an aside, well, I think of it. I don't. We don't have to go off in this direction, but I just throw it in. I love the other day I was listening to our abbot speak uh, in one of our Zoom calls with the community, and he talked about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He said, or if you prefer, love. Uh, the yes. body of love and the breath of love. Oh, anyway, mm. that was awesome. Yeah, I'll, um, yeah. I'll think about that. I like. I'll, I initially like that. I'll, I'll stick with that. Yeah. Mm. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so as I was saying, the um, the, the proverb straight off the bat, um, just gets into that right from the get go. Um, mm. Bang! Are you, are I you do wonder if I do wonder if this is a great. It, it, I, I wonder if this is a great reason, Mark, to this idea that wisdom is there at the beginning of creation. Um, yeah. I, I wonder if this is a great reason for us to move through the world expecting to find wisdom already there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Expecting yes. to counter wisdom not only in other religions but in other people in other cultures um, i think we do this perhaps a little bit more easily with culture um, but it's you know sometimes we struggle with um, looking for wisdom in other religions or other approaches to god but i do think this is one of the great reasons to go looking for those things that are common rather than looking for the argument yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I like that about I like that about wisdom. Can, can, what what can we affirm in others, um, rather than just you know be looking for what must be different, um, or what gaps we can put in people's um, approach to God or to the world? Yeah. Now you made a comment about the psalm before. Did you want to touch on that now that we're we're looking at it? No. Well, it. it this psalm is a really intriguing one, actually. It's quoted um, in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 2. Mm. Um, and, and it's especially around that um, you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honour. At least that's what my translation says. Um, the, the, it, it, seems, it seems to be really debatable in the different languages in the different original languages um as to, as to what this really means yeah um, does this does this mean sort of um little lower or a little lower um i think there's a debate around that little lower might imply we are um 
very close to equal with um, uh, with God. If you can, if you take this as Elohim and referring to God, but a lot of the translations look more along the lines of angels or um, heavenly beings. Um, there's there's tons of questions around this. But, you know, the, the most intriguing part of this for me is, 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 is what, if we, what if we really are created so much in the image of God that, <laughs> we, that, that we are very, very close to being, to being like God? Um, and if so, there's, there seems to me to be so there's something going on here that's that's uncomfortable with that um and i wonder if the way we've been talking about trinity can actually help us be more comfortable with the extraordinary reality not only i mean you look at the whole story we're dealing with here um you know we're created in the image of god the spirit of god lives in us um the spirit of God is loose in our world. Um, we have the capacity, the, the invitation to embrace this, um, this, this humble, extraordinarily, extraordinarily humble God who is, is teaching us to live in a very, very different way. Um, I just wonder if this is one of those moments where the closeness of us to uh, of, of humanity to God is deeply uncomfortable for us, mm. and I, I think the incarnation is another moment like that. Um, Christ to become one of the, one of us. We have we have tried to dance around that for centuries now, um, <laughs> with with all of our with all of our debates and all of our conversations over fully God, fully man. No, but he must be one sort of entity. Um, you know, we have, and we've had to, essentially the church has put it into law to stop the debate. Um, but, but we seem to have been very, very uncomfortable with the idea of God being down on earth with us mm. and indistinguishable from us. Yes. But as you said earlier, maybe so we painted the psalm we painted, is hinting at. Yes, it, it, <laughs> it is. It is. Un, it is uncomfortably close to that. I would suggest. Yeah. yeah. So we so we paint Christ with you know a glowing head, but um, you know everyone else everyone else who saw him there is no evidence in the gospel that um, people saw this one and thought he's not one of us. He's an alien. He's not, he's not, he's a God. That's not the way they responded to Jesus. In fact, they argue with him. They believe they can kill him. They, um, you know, drive him out of places. Jesus is, he looks like just one of us. Yeah. They, um, you know, so much so that, you know, it, it's slowly revealed um, who this one really is amongst us. Uh, it's just not it's just not obvious no um, and that closeness that closeness we just the, the church has just wrestled with that for centuries um because it seems so inappropriate for god to be one of us well it's the um, old joke god to be you, like us you've probably heard preachers say this too where they say oh, you know, excuse me for saying so but jesus pooped and weed and farted when he was a baby um, yeah, and yeah. I think I think part of the problem is that they've said, "Excuse me for saying so." <laughs> no excuse for saying it so. Seems so. Um, All human beings have done yeah. that, and Jesus did that. He wasn't born with a silver diaper right around his bottom. Yeah, um, he pooed and peed and farted like the, with the best of us. Probably vomited milk and and you know scraped his knees and all sorts of stuff. Um, yep. If we're to believe that in Hebrews it says that you know it can identify with everything about what it means to be human, then mm. he identified with everything what it means to be, including being tempted, yes, including yes. feeling sexuality, yes. Um, we have we cannot 
say that yeah. Jesus is fully human yeah. unless we allow that scope to come. Yeah. Um, and as but, soon as you bring, as soon as you bring the scope you sort of offer there um, to a holy God, we, we feel terribly uncomfortable. Um, how, can these, we, how can these? How can these two sit together? Are we only uncomfortable because we've missed our own godliness, our own holiness? Yes. We're, yeah. yeah we're, which is what Jesus came to help us see. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredibly yes. powerful. Yeah. It's interesting, yeah. but the, the the Romans passage talking going back to monastic community before um, the Romans passage has that list in there um, that talks about from verse three. Uh, and not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given to us. Um, this reeks to me of life in monastic community and reeks to me about who God is in community and who we need to be in community. So if, we're, if God is community and we're made in the image of God, then we're made to live in community. This stuff, this movement from suffering to hope doesn't happen outside community. It can't. The, the, one of the hallmarks, yeah. the, 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 yeah. the three-pronged stool of the vows of monastic life is stability. And when I made that vow of stability uh, to a community, um, it's not that you, you can't leave, but you don't do it lightly. In fact, it's a pretty serious thing you've done and you really need to think about why it is you're moving on and whether it's the right thing for you to do or not before you do. Mm. Because the second a problem comes up, that's not the time to move on because you have made a commitment to say, we're going to do our best to make this work. And in fact, I would say if someone was moving out of community because they're trying to move away from a problem, that's a problem. If everything's, if everything's well and good and someone said, I feel this sense that it's time for me to move on, I'd go, well, I can see that. But if you're saying I need to go because mm. I'm struggling with this person and this person's frustrating me and he's annoying, I don't like the way he chews and uh, he talks funny and you know he's just painful and he thinks he's right about everything and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? You are in the right place, I would say, because it's that <laughs> rubbing. It's that rubbing against yeah, that yeah. happens in community. And of course, the, the flip side of that too. A lot of that community. It's not just everyone frustrates you. There are people in there who who love you, and you love them, and you do mm. connect with them, and you do click with them, and you and you learn from them too. There are some people who you click with on one level, but on another level, you're just great. Um, they're the most beautiful relationships. I and mean, you and I have a little bit of a friendship like that. Mm. And, I, and that's what I love about it. We have so much in common and yet we make each other think and we can really, you know, prod sometimes each other, but look at what that's done for us yeah. um, because of that. And so what this passage, I think really, if you want to talk about this community theme, it really talks about how in God, uh, this is what happens. If we are living in community, then we do have this chance to move from suffering to hope because in the suffering, there's perseverance, uh, endurance, endurance produces character, character producing hope. And then the crux of that, the, the, the climax of that is that hope doesn't disappoint us because God's love comes in. And so this community isn't just a community of frustration and suffering and perseverance and hope, but ultimately a community of love. And, be, and it's because we're challenged and stretched that we mm. can know love is present. And so this community isn't just about warm fuzzies. Uh, this community of God isn't just about feeling nice. This community of God is about growing. It's about uh, becoming it's about embracing who it is we've been created to be, both as individuals and as communities. And we're all a part of varying communities. And God will grow and stretch those as we interact with each other and as we join into this community with God. So I think the Romans passage has some beautiful themes in it that really mm. draw on this community aspect of God and who we are in that. Mm. A couple of things there. This starts off with... Um insisting that we are 
forgiven, justified, at peace with God. And yet it goes on to talk about um, uh, talk about us still going on this journey journey of suffering um, and 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 refinement. Um, refinement within this relationship. So we have peace with God, we have relationship with God, we have peace with one another, we have relationship with one another, and still the refining process of love is going on. So this is not us coming into community because we're forgiven and therefore perfect. Um, it's, actually, it's actually us coming into communion because Christ has forgiven us and we now come into communion and we are, we are still learning. It's all grace. That's what I'm trying to say. It's grace from beginning to pull us into this community and it is grace that um, enables us to suffer and grow um, within this perfect community of love. Yeah, um, I I, I I love what you're saying there about um, you know this this echoes the monastic community. I would want to say again that the monastic community is a community of people in relationship with not only with one another but also with God. Yeah. So I think I think this this is part of it. it it's all, and, and I mean you can you can probably avoid a whole lot of suffering by not hanging out in community with people. Um, well, that's the old joke of ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people I've got to minister to. Wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I used to, I used to like you, be a chaplain at a school and we would, we would walk in there in the holidays and, and say, schools are fantastic places during the holidays. There's no one here. <laughs> it's so much easier. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's um, pretty powerful stuff when you start to get into the crux of not let's prove there's three in one and one in three, but let's see what this theme of community offers us. Yeah. Let's yeah. see how it changes and transforms us, this community that we share with each other, with God, with Christ, with the spirit that moves in us, um, this oneness that we're called to in Christ, this yeah. um, unifying of all things under one head, yes. um, as it's put this, in this uh, family. Ephesians. Yep. This family, um, all that language. Incredibly powerful. It's all there. And then, of course, in, in John 16, which you also touched on in our introduction, we started to talk about this. Um, and this is a reading we had a couple of times through the Easter season leading to Pentecost as well. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears and will declare to you the things that are to come. To me, there's this beautiful essence here of sharing and everyone knowing their role and everyone staying in their lane and everything working. It's a picture of the community of God that I reckon if we could apply it to the body of Christ analogy that Paul uses, we might actually see the body function properly. Mm. I think we, we have so many people who are fingers who are trying to be kneecaps um, and noses who are trying to be earlobes and tongues who are trying to be toes and toes who are trying to be tongues. If we all just embrace fully what we know we can do and what we know we can do well, and that's exactly what's happening here. Um, the spirit's going to speak. Uh, whatever the spirit is as, as part of that, from that community. The spirit knows, well, it's my job to speak. It's not my job to be the one who necessarily creates what's spoken. It comes from another part of the community. Mm. So there's this beautiful image here. Um, and then uh, Jesus goes on to say, he will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Um, so again, there's this essence of, what role do we play in community? And I love um, uh, Rob Bell's first Everything is Spiritual, where he talked about atoms um, and the language that atomic 
quantum physicists use sounds very much like first century Jewish poets, that you mm. have this energy mm. of community. And of course, um, there's not just, you know, there's, there's a number of elements that make up some of these subatomic particles. Um, and in fact, if you want to get technical, if you want to take a simple atom, it's not just electrons, neutrons and protons, because a, you can split an atom and you can split that and split that and split that. And they've gone down to about 100 subatomic particles now, which all make up the thing, which makes up everything. Um, and so you have this beautiful image then of this huge amount of facets in this community of energy that literally makes up the whole world. Um, but every part knows its part mm. and every part knows what its job is to do in order to make that happen. Um, and, mm. I, and I wonder again whether that idea of community in God, um, you know, if you want to say, you know, Jesus knew what Jesus' job was because that's so the Christ steps out of eternity into time and space. Um, and becomes flesh because uh, it was time and that was the person whose job that was to do. Um, what if we could all embrace that within mm. this community of God? Let God be God and let God worry about being God. And let God worry about what God looks like and how we describe God. God doesn't need our help with that. What God needs is for us to pick up being the hands and the feet and the heart and the leg of the and the mouthpiece of this body of this Christ, which is the community that we're very much talking about, mm. that is being expressed through these readings. Yeah, I like your imagery there. I I, I kind of want to take Paul's imagery a little bit further at, at times of the body and Christ as the head, because I think we end up you know, identifying ourselves as ears and, and just wanting to hang out with ears. Yes. <laughs> or, or, you know, you know, I'm that I'm the hands of Christ. So I'm just going to hang out with the hands. We're, we're all going to, yeah. we're all going to gather together. Um, we're going to gather all to, all the hands together and, you know, cause that's the only thing that want that matters. We, we build walls in funny places, you know, mm. um, sometimes even between parts of the body um as paul would paul would say um i, I think it's we're we're a strange bunch we've really got to learn to loosen up a little bit i reckon how powerful would it be if we were able to say to all the hands Will you go and join that arm over there and you go join that arm over there. You go join that arm over there. You go join that arm over there so that the body can function over there and over there and over there. And over yeah, there. yeah. Stop hanging around. Yeah. I mean, and you'd be saying, let's just pulling out the hand. You'd say to every body part because pretty much yeah. that's what human nature does. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. And I think, I think as soon as we do that, and I know there are wonderful people in the world who very deliberately do this, um, as soon as you do that, you're going to move through the process here of suffering, endurance, character, and hope. I think you're just not going to get away with it all being easy or surrounding yourself with people who see life the same way. You're going to end up, you're going to end up being challenged about those blind spots that we all have. And that's, and it's interesting. I don't know if this is sort of bringing us to a loop, but um, what we're pretty much talking about here is, um, you know, coming to be a part of that body. It's being, uh, you know, wanting to come into that relationship uh, and to be who we are in that relationship and, and allow what everything else in that relationship is to play its part around us mm. uh, with God and with, with, with others. Um, and it's this, uh, let me just read this, which might be a nice way to finish, but I mean, if you want to comment on it, you can. This yes. is again out of um, Richard Raw's book, The Divine Dance, but he quotes Kalma Coleman, who um, 
as someone that I've had some great interactions with online, Carl is a, a fantastic writer and writes a lot about um, spiritual mysticism uh, and, and a few other things. One of his great books is called um, The Big Book of Christian Mysticism, which I think this quote comes from. Uh, but he wrote another book recently, uh, as he wrote a number of books. If you go to his website, um, uh, anamkara.com, but if you uh, yes, Google yes. Carl McCollman, uh, you'll find him. Um, and uh, but, but yeah, his, his stuff's just incredible. But this Richard Raw just quoted him here and he introduces the quote by saying, uh, a partner in the divine dance, that relationship with God that we're talking about, is someone who agrees to stand in mutual in the mutual relationship that God is. <laughs> the relationship that God has already drawn us into gratuitously. As lay Cistercian and teacher Karma Coleman puts it, and I quote, God is in us because we are in Christ. As members of the mystical body, Christians actually partake in the divine nature of the Trinity. We do not merely watch the dance, we dance the dance. We join hands with Christ and the spirit flows through us and between us and our feet move always in the loving embrace of the Father. In that we are members of the mystical body of Christ we see the joyful love of the Father through the eyes of the Son, and with every breath, we breathe the Holy Spirit. And what I love about that quote is that it paints a beautiful image of this very community we're talking about that looks nothing like a three-pronged shamrock, but looks more like those really technical intertwined Celtic knots that don't seem to have a beginning, that don't seem to have an end and don't have a number connected to them somehow that's distinct. Um, I think that's incredibly powerful. And I think the readings this week um, sort of say to us, if we can get beyond the threeness and start to think about the community, as you rightly pointed out when we kicked off, Mark, then I think we start to see really what this particular teaching will really benefit us in our individual mm. lives, in our community mm. lives as well. Yeah. I think at that point, the Trinity becomes something we can live um, Ooh, yeah. rather than something we have to argue about or, or even something <laughs> that has to, or even something that has to distinguish us from others. Well, I, yeah. think, I, I think we really we really do end up with something we're asked to live out in everyday life, in every relationship, and that makes it radically relevant. Uh, the shamrock stuff and the pie and all that, <laughs> it, it just doesn't, I, I just don't know why. I, I, that's, that's what happens for me. I hear those arguments and I think, why, why are we here discussing this? Um, yeah, I'll put a link to the video I was talking about before. So if you're watching on YouTube, if you go down to the notes, you'll see I'll put St. Patrick video and you can click on that and watch it. It's, it's actually quite funny, but it really does prove the point that is Trinity really necessary? Let's yeah, just yeah. embrace this wonderful community, this perichoresis, this <laughs> divine dance that God is. Yeah, yep. And I do think it's important that, um, oh, yeah that this is the, the perfect revelation of, of community. Yeah. You know, this is the revelation of perfect love. And we, as imperfect learners of love, are invited into this community where there is, where there is always perfect forgiveness and perfect welcome. Yeah. Um, it, it gives us this space to learn what it is to love and give of ourselves um to others mm. it's it's a it's actually a wonderful wonderful doctrine in that sense it's just a bit weird the way we defend it and may i throw in at this point just as we're wrapping it up that um and i'm sure you'd agree with me mark that neither mark nor i um i sit here in our own frailty and our own shortcomings of our understanding and incomprehensibleness <laughs> of god um and so even in attempting to describe things, we've said, oh, look, community doesn't, oh, Trinity doesn't work, let's talk community. We're probably shortchanging God a bucket load, even by doing that. <laughs> um, 
you know, language is, is metaphor and we yeah. use the best language we can find, but in describing the amazingness of what God is, yeah, I think it's yeah. always going to fall short, no matter what words we use. I think it's really important to say, I, I, I don't believe for a moment I'm saved because I have God sorted out. <laughs> and I, I'm I really don't. I really, really don't. And, and it frees me up on every level to be a genuine explorer of of the world of, yeah. of uh, it, it frees me up to be an explorer of god but i tell you what i reckon there's this terrible danger that we get scared of getting things wrong mm. so we actually um and and the stakes are so high the stakes are eternal um I, I just don't. I just don't think that's the case. So well, I, I love. I love entering these discussions because I feel deeply free in them to, yeah. to explore rather than, you know, to only put out those things I'm certain of. Well, it's funny because I was actually going to say, you know, at the end of the day, I don't even think God worries too much about whether we call God Trinity or Community, or uh, a pentablet or whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, I think God is pretty secure in who God is yeah. that we can wonder. And I think there is something joyfully freeing, as you say, about that wondering yeah. and what we can, I think if we allowed to wonder, we actually realize God's bigger than even what we can wonder. And that's mm. phenomenal. Mm. So, yeah, I, I think God can look after God's self and really doesn't care at the end of the day, um, <laughs> just as long as we, you know, continue to love God and love God by loving our neighbor. That's really the core and the crux of everything. Yeah. And as you say, that's what God demonstrates in that community, that God is love. Beautiful. That's between two Sundays. <laughs> for another. We're done. We couldn't finish, couldn't land anywhere better. Uh, then God is God love. God is love. There you go. Again, please interact with us. Uh, all of the links to all the things are in the show notes or down below if you're on YouTube. Click on that. Go to the link tree. Click on all the bits, Mark's articles, the Instagram stuff, and, uh, you know, watch it, listen to it. You can see it always. Um, you know, we'll create a dance next week, a liturgical dance of what we talk about. I don't know. Maybe not. You can do that. I'm not taking responsibility. Uh, I'm not wearing tights. No way, I don't care. That's not my part in this body. Trust me. <laughs> With that note, uh, yeah. thanks for joining us, folks. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. And bless you, everybody. We'll see you next week for another Between Two Sundays. Bye for now. See you then.